0: Welcome to the OKC First podcast.
1: Together, we're learning to do three things.
0: Friendship with God.
2: Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. You may be seated. A couple of things I want to say to us. and We're going to have a brief time of prayer before... I read uh, dr. Green's sermon text today first of all as we always do on Father's Day I want us to uh, pray for a little bit here for our dads and you very well like me could be in a situation where you are, are praying a prayer of Thanksgiving for your dad and we should pray that prayer it's the right thing to pray that prayer or perhaps you are one of those people and I know some of you in the room today One of those people for whom the very word, the term father, uh, is painful. It perhaps is because you have lost someone recently. Or it's because you don't have a great experience with your dad. Whatever that reason might be, I want us to be mindful of those folks too as we are together on a day known uh, everywhere as Father's Day. I want us to be aware of those people as well. And it's Juneteenth. And I mourn how uh, this particular conversation has gotten so politicized. But I I hope you know, but just in case you don't, June 19th, 1865, Union troops arrived in Galveston Bay and announced to over a quarter of a million enslaved peoples that they had been freed uh, with the Emancipation Proclamation that had been signed two years prior. And so we celebrate that day of liberation and freedom. And as I have understood the gospel as it was taught me by this man on the front row and other voices like his, it's a good thing for Christians to be about emancipation. It's uh, to be about liberation and the quest for freedom. Now, as you may know, uh, I have spent a lot of my time outside of these walls working on issues just like that. And I can tell you that we're still fighting that fight. So I also want us to pray as we pray that God would use us to continue this message of liberation and freedom, and that God would put us to work, put our bodies to work wherever those conversations can be had that result in greater sense of freedom and liberation. And then lastly, uh, it's gonna be a long prayer, isn't it? I want us to pray for Dr. Green. Uh, Let me say this about Dr. Green. It was over there in front of that door, behind that back pew, that Dr. Green said to me, more than 15 years ago now, you really ought to think about being the pastor here. Well, I hadn't. I hadn't thought about it. In fact, uh, we had interviewed to run the city rescue mission, and we were down to the final two, and I really thought that's where we were headed. I really thought that we were going to be, because again, because of the nature of the message that I heard sitting there on the front row, Jason said a minute ago, this is like old times, the three of us sitting up here on the front row. It was kind of neat. I learned so much on that front row. And what I learned on that front row listening to this man preach was it would make sense for me to go run the city rescue mission. That's what I learned. And then to have that same person say, but maybe there is a place for you here as pastor of the church that will continue this this message of liberation, uh, of justice, of gospel, of hope and light and wisdom. I hadn't thought about it. Uh, I was actually kind of uh, against it. Uh, Kelly and I both had thought it through and said no absolutely not and then God moved our hearts and shaped our hearts and, and Here we are some 50 odd, odd years later But I don't think it would have happened had dr. Green not spoken into my life back there in a very specific way So thank you this place and this pastor bear your marks and we always will and uh, can't be more grateful to have you here. And by the way, this won't be the last time. We're going to have you preach a lot. We've already talked about some other meanness that we can get into here now that you're free of, I don't know what do they call it, jobs, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, we want to pray for you as well. So let's have this word of prayer. And then after that, I'll have a stand for the text. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we begin in great uh, Thanksgiving. Many of us do. For that person in our lives, that dad who has so incredibly shaped us and continues to shape us. And so now if you would, just offer that prayer. Name your dad and be thankful right out loud. Be thankful in your praying now for your dad in these moments of prayer. Father, we're also mindful of those people who hurt today because it's Father's Day, for various and sundry reasons. Move our minds now to those people who may be sitting nearby, people who today hurt and perhaps hurt worse than anybody else hurts because of the absence or because of the loss of a father. So would you now pray for those people? God, because of the voices of many of our fathers and our pastors and other people who have taught us the narrative of scripture, we recognize that we are a people of liberation meant to announce and embody liberation. So on this very important day, would you help us to be those people still? The people who aren't afraid to tell the hard stories. The people who aren't afraid to announce liberation from all forms of captivity the people who are willing to come alongside the people who have for one reason or another been marginalized. Would you help us to find our legs, find our voices, to find the strength necessary to continue to be people of peace, people of prophetic proclamation, people of justice and liberation. So now would you ask that God would somehow move you to be a part of the solution, however that might look. Would you pray that prayer now? Finally, God, we anticipate hearing from your spokesperson today, from your servant. But we pray right now that you would somehow communicate our love and support to Dr. Green. To quiet his mind and heart so that he can, without any kind of obstacle, communicate your mind and heart to us. So would you now, church, pray for Dr. Green. if you would across sanctuary stand as i read our preaching text for today i'm reading now from proverbs chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 and then verses 22 through 31 hear o israel the lord our god the lord alone you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your might keep these words that i'm commanding you today in your heart Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away and when you lie down and when you rise Bind them as a sign on your hand fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates The Lord created me at the beginning of his work the first of his acts of long ago Ages ago. I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth when there were no depths I was brought forth when there were no springs abounding with water Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker And I was daily in his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Well, it uh, it is joy to be able to open the scriptures today. ringing uh, sound to my voice there. Uh, it is a joy to be able to open the scriptures today, <clears throat> and uh, many of you are former, not just uh, parishioners, you're, many of you are former students of mine, uh, and so uh, you probably have uh, heard me carry on about uh, this text in Proverbs uh, often. Uh, I used to call it by the metaphor. I made up a metaphor for it. Uh, You get to do that when you're a theologian because all God talks metaphor anyway. That means it's not real. It's just no other way to talk about God other than through metaphor. But I used to call this the created shadow of God, wisdom. Wisdom, what do we do with it? Uh, I guess the question that guides me in this, and by the way, this is the text from the lectionary last week when I was supposed to uh, preach before I came down with uh, that nasty thing called COVID. Ah, uh, man, And I tried so hard, I tried so hard. Uh, but anyway, uh, this text basically is asking this question. How do we live well? we live well? It's not asking the question how do we believe well? Truth is, Jesus really wasn't much of a theologian. did not that shock you? He was an ethicist. He never told us, now these are the doctrines to believe. He just said stuff like this, follow me. Do this. Let go of that. Isn't that, don't you find that interesting? He was talking about how do we live well? And, and so this proverb that we've read today is asking that question, how do we live well, especially in a world that is full of uncertainty, anxiety, I'll use the word that they did in the ancients, chaos. What do we do when an army is breaking down on us? What caused it? What do we do when a drought comes in the land? What do we do when a sickness affects us? What do we do when a pandemic ravages the planet? How do we live well? How do we live well? Now, you're probably saying, well, Steve, why does that even matter? What we want to do is get our souls right with God and then, you know, fly away in the great chariot of love and fire and whatever it is or maybe the great ship Enterprise and be gone from this place. Why does it even matter? Well, it matters because life and death's at stake. And that's really what this proverb is trying to say to us. In fact, in the latter part of this chapter, I want to read these, verses, these words to you. Verses 35 and 36. Whoever finds me, talking about wisdom, finds life and obtains favor with the Lord. Whoever misses me, intriguing word there, miss. It's, it's the Hebrew word that we most often translate sin. Sin doesn't mean what we Nazarenes call sin, willful transgression against the lone, known law of God. That is too narrow a definition, by the way. It means to miss it, miss the mark. Somehow, fail to recognize it, do it, right? The Baptists among us are probably feeling really good about me right now. I'll give you a reason not to like me. Don't, don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> those who miss me, those who miss me injure themselves. Now get these words. And those who hate me, hate wisdom, love, death. I was doing a little reading recently. And uh, the war that we lost the most uh, human life, American human life, uh, was the Civil War. Uh, a little over 600,000 uh, U.S. Uh, persons died during the Civil War and, you know, basically because we were killing each other uh, but that's a lot. The, the next greatest war to that uh, was World War II we lost right at 400,000 people, United States folk in World War II. Next to that World War I that's just a little over 100,000 people now I, I mean that sounds awful doesn't it? I mean, when you put the Civil War and World War II together, the carnage—just a little bit over a million people. Kind of know where I'm going with this. In the last two years, we've lost over one million people in the United States of America because of COVID. You know them, and I do too. I mean, I, Elaine keeps track of everybody through Facebook. I don't. I call it Spy Book. <laughs> I love Spy Book, by the way. You know, you get a watch and see, and go, ooh, and then you, you, nobody knows what you're doing. I just love that. Uh, but as I've looked back across all the folk that I've pastored now, all the folk that I've known, Dozens and dozens of people that I've loved and cared for, eaten meals with, partied. Party in a Nazarene kind of way, of course. <laughs> have died of COVID. Now I ask myself the question, why do they die? Well, a lot of it's just tragic, right? It's just downright tragic. This is awful pandemic that swept the planet. But some of it is because of what this text is saying. I'm not being terribly political right here. In fact, the honest truth is when you treat a pandemic politically, the sages In the wisdom tradition would call you a fool. If you hate wisdom, you love death. Now let that soak in a bit. So what do we do with that? What do we do with all the chaos that comes our ways, the uncertainty, the ambiguity? As as I've really reflected, And I've reflected on the ancient world as well as our world. And I think there's a a commonality of what we try to do. And it's one of three things, and sometimes it's a combination of all the above. One of the things we try to do is that we we try to control this chaos. and, And we try to control this chaos with all kinds of means that we think are powerful enough to do it. So, for example, when we're terrified by, well, let's just say Vladimir Putin and Russia, what we want to do with that kind of chaos is we want to take our strength, match it against his strength, am I making sense to you, with the potential of death. Now, don't get me wrong, I am no Putin kind of guy. A bad man, right, bad man. That's one of the ways we try to do it in a modern setting. In an ancient setting, they did some other kinds of things and maybe we do those similar things. We make Our gods are that which is ultimate. We make them something that, in a sense, submit to us. That's really what the first command is talking about when it talks about have no other gods. it's, It's not saying, oh, Yahweh's gonna be so jealous if you love Baal. I mean, think about this for a second God is the ground of all reality. Uh, on the furthest side of the universe. Whatever that galaxy is, with all of its different suns, God is there. And that is dependent upon God, as you and I are for our next breath. God's not jealous of Baal, or Mardok, or Zeus, or some of our Marvel favorites, you know, Thor, Odin, God, well, we gotta get, we gotta wake up. God's not a cartoon. We live and move, Paul says, and find our very being in him. Right? Acts 17. God. God is not a cartoon. God is not somewhere with little Jesus running around and this spirit, spooky little creature called the Spirit moving to and fro. God, God is one, God, now think about that. So what do we do? Well, what we attempt to do, is we create these mythologies. Some of us then believe, that if we do the right kind of thing in relation to these deities, even the deity that we call the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we can then get that God to do for us what we want. Are, are you following me a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And in our circles, we think if we just pray right, give right, that God will then do what we want God to do. By the way, that's the second commandment have no idols. God's saying, you can't manipulate me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? There is no manipulation of the reality within which all reality is dependent. But as we say here so well, God's mind's already made up about you, and it's good. In other words, God loves you. And he loves all of us who don't love him back. And he loves the birds, the butterflies, the ground, Mars. Right? Even Elon Musk. Now that's a man who's a genius and a fool at the same time. (laughs) Incredible combo. Incredible. I mean, God loves. And that is the truth. Therefore, you can say, I can say as genuinely as we know how, God is pro-life. Everything God does is for the generation of life. Everything. Now with that backed up, let's, let's get back here. What we try to do then is control these powers and sources, be they other gods, be they manipulate God through our prayer, thinking that somehow we know best how to get God to act rightly. In a sense, we're trying to convert God to our way of thinking. Others are not quite like that. Others will say words like this. It is what it is. It is what it is, right? Or if we're a good Calvinist, God determined it. By the way, you're probably not a good Calvinist. Even Calvinists aren't good Calvinists. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Or one of the worst things we can say after a tragedy well, just God's will. God needed Him more than we do. Again, remember, God doesn't need anything. You, you know that, right? Least of all me. So if in fact it's not just a matter of blind fate, whether they be Stoics, in the ancient world, our Calvinists today, are misguided Nazarenes who are trying to say something comforting to somebody after a loss. Then what else is there? What else is there is that we try to understand the nature of reality. And I don't mean by understand the nature of reality. I mean, some of you are you know, scientists for crying out loud. Sean is a scientist. She, she, you know, reduces stuff and tries to understand stuff and labels stuff. That's a good thing to do. But what I'm talking about and what wisdom is saying is that there is a collection of p- principles or laws or policies. I would rather talk about it in linguistic terms. Wisdom is a grammar a grammar to a language called reality. Now, I want you to think about this with me for a second. W- when I say that, you, you can know a variety of foreign words and not know the language, right? But if you know the language, if you know the grammar, then you can take these different words that you hear that you may not know their, un- their meaning or definition And you can work with them. Wisdom is to reality what a grammar is to a language. It's the pillar of the way reality works. And what this incredible text is saying is that before there was anything, wisdom came forth. Now this is where we're really gonna get into something that's really interesting, confusing, and can make a heretic out of anybody. Just ask Arius, he was considered one, still is to this day. So I wanna talk about it for just a second, because the very movement or evolution of this understanding of wisdom, it will start here, and I'm gonna talk about a Hebrew and a Greek word in a second, So forgive me, but again, I have been a theologian for quite a while, it is what we do. But I want to then move this through a kind of evolution of the concept into what's called the intertestamental period. We have texts from there called the Apocrypha. And then into first century Judaism and in particular, into Jesus and Jesus' self-understanding. Wisdom was understood as a very expression of God. I want you to hear that for a second. The principles within which the universe operates reflect God. You say, well, why is there such bad stuff? Well, Genesis 3 begins to give us a little bit of an answer to that. God is seen in the way wisdom functions. Now, what this text says and what will go forward as this wisdom tradition, and wisdom tradition in our Bibles, you have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, the latter part of Job, of Genesis, all those Joseph stories, Uh, some of the Psalms, you have that, and the book of James, Lots and lots and lots of John's Gospel and Matthew. I, the wisdom's everywhere. And a little bit of good old St. Paul. Well, what's going on here is that you have this movement within which wisdom, which is set up before anything, begins to be understood even by the time you get to this wonderful book called Wisdom of Solomon. It is understood there in the early 3rd century B.C. as an expression of the very goodness of God, an emanation, those words say, of his very glory. Now, that is not very far from what we Christians call the triune nature of God. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 24 and 30 will describe Jesus as the wisdom of God. Jesus, in a sense, describes himself in Matthew chapter 11 and 12 as the wisdom of God. The Sermon on the Mount is nothing other than wisdom teaching. It's how to live, how to live in particular in the kingdom of God. It's not how to think rightly to believe rightly, it's not a theology, it's a way that wisdom speaks. A- a- am I making sense to you? And listen, let, let me just read one of my favorite texts. I mean, it's just flat-out wisdom without question, and that is uh, Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. Incredible, incredible text. If I can get my little Grammy fingers on it. Listen to these words. This is wisdom. He is the image of the invisible God. What's wisdom? The firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. Or, listen, the Johanian gospel is just incredible. All of those I am passages we have not only refer to the God of Israel as Yahweh, but listen, this is wisdom speaking. I am the way, the truth, the life. That is wisdom for these ancient Jewish people. But listen to this. In the beginning was the word, word is, honestly, a Greek Hellenized, it's what it's called, understanding of wisdom. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things come into being through Him. And without Him, not one thing came into being. And what has come into being in Him was life. And the life was the light of all people. That is wisdom. That is wisdom. And you say, Steve, well, what's such a big deal about all of this wisdom? Okay, if we get some of it, we get some of it. All of us aren't smart. As I said about Elon Musk, you can be a genius and a fool. You really can't. It is not about this stuff, your head. It is much more about understanding the way the rhythms of reality function. If God is always for us, and God is always for us, God is always for us, then when those things happen to us so often, You can't absolutize this. Job, another wisdom book, comes in and corrects us. But when things happen so often, it has to do with the malfunction of the way reality is to go. So, if two years ago, two and a half years ago, we were running around hugging each other, Blowing nasty COVID all over each other. It's not real. This is not real. No, this isn't real. This is like a coal. You're probably hooked up to a machine pretty quick. That's just the truth. Because wisdom is about the very principle of the way all things work together. Now you say, well, does that make a scientist a wise person? Well, you can have very smart and very foolish scientists too. But here's what is for sure. There are no such things as alternative truths. Truth is a truth is a truth is a truth. It's tied to reality. There are alternative interpretations. Am I making any sense to you? And so what do we do with wisdom to live by? How do we live well? I'm going to give you three things. They're quick. You can list them, and I'm done. All of wisdom literature says this one thing. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, does that mean that it's like going into a haunted house to be with God? No. What it means is this. You realize you're not God. God's God. And none of us know the way to wisdom. Job 28. Only God knows the way to wisdom. And so the beginning is this. No, you're not God. And by the way, let me tell you who else is not God? Facebook, cable news, not God. No matter what side of cable news you like, not God. Am I, am I making any sense to you? If you get all your stuff, well, I've heard. Where'd you hear? Well, Facebook. Don't do it. Don't do it. Not God. What that really means is that we take a stance of humility in the world. Second, these texts tell us this. Wisdom is constantly calling to us. They say, well, Steve, where where does wisdom call from? The altar? Well, yeah. Pastor? Well, yeah. But the text says wisdom calls from everywhere. It calls from everywhere. It calls from the city gates, which, by the way, means the legal system. It calls from creation itself. It calls from the voice of the young, it calls from the voice of the old, it calls, it calls, it calls, it calls, it calls, but we do not know it. So, what do we do with that? Well, let me tell you what I used to tell. Jason, did I do this all the way back when you were my student, or did I do it a little bit later where I said, Oh, it's Friday, baby, it's Friday, it's time to party. Did I ever do that with you all? Yeah, but here's the line. Here's what I was always trying to say. Keep your eyes wide open and your ears close to the ground. And I used to say it this way because life comes at you in so many different ways. Here's what I want to say. Wisdom is calling you from Everywhere. From everywhere. Listen. Listen to the voice of those that you respect the most and don't shut out the voice of those that you disdain. Remember, even a donkey can talk when God enables it. Balaam's dogging, by the way. It's, isn't it corny when preacher theology people do jokes with Bible and theology? I mean, that's when you know you've just totally gone off the edge. You just, woo! <laughs> listen, listen, listen to your body. Listen to your friends. Listen. Don't become a dittohead. But listen, listen. And finally, when you hear from all of these corners of reality, words, there's a third follow Jesus. Why? He's the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God for crying out loud. Jesus is the wisdom of God. So when he says, follow me, he actually means it. He doesn't mean, oh, poor Martin Luther, he really messed up on this. He doesn't mean, oh, you try to follow me, you can't follow me, oh, therefore you're in despair. Throw yourself on the grace of God and God will give you a lollipop. That is not... Well, he didn't say lollipop, but basically the same thing. Follow Jesus. So Steve, sometimes I follow Jesus, and I don't do it well. Oh yeah, that's that's not okay. But get up, dust yourself off, and start following again. And when I mean follow Jesus, I don't I don't mean be hyper religious unless you understand all of reality as sacred, which, by the way, I do. But follow Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Well, you say, Steve, it doesn't work in the real world to follow Jesus. And that's the reason we have such bliss and peace and harmony and health and happiness today, right? The real world? So what does all this mean? It means a lost art for folk like us. Learn to discern. Learn to discern. You're not God, that's okay. Listen to all kinds of voices from everywhere, not just Facebook, but you can listen to some of them too if you like. Just delete them every once in a while. And third, follow Jesus. When I uh, left here now 15 years ago, wow, I must be getting older. (laughs) I preached a series of sermons, uh, probably two months worth. Uh, And basically it boiled down to this. If you haven't understood me, let me say it this way. It's all about Jesus. And so I want to say again to you, it's all about Jesus not a get-out-of-jail-free card, the way, the truth, the life. In just a minute, our pastor is going to come and he is going to lead us in the Eucharist. I would like for you to imagine, though, with me, what you're taking into yourself today is wisdom. It is wisdom. And the Lord bless you and keep you.
2: Dr. Green, if you'll come up, it's my honor to follow that sermon uh, with this, inviting you to a time around the table. And so if you are helping us today to set this table, would you go ahead and come on up and help us? Heavenly Father, bless these elements. Simple bread and simple cup, but somehow in your hands it becomes something more. In fact, in your hands, it is for us the tangible expression of wisdom. And in your hands, God, becomes that thing that can, over a period of time, if we'll allow it to do so, it, it can shape us and often it shapes us without our permission. May it shape us today to see you where we couldn't have seen you before, to hear you as we listen where we couldn't have heard you before. May this little bit of bread and this sip from a cup, may it shape us to be people who look like Jesus, who are the very embodiment of Jesus in the world. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. And exit your pews to the left and to come forward with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of grace that can't be gotten any other way. You can't write a check for it. You can't grab it. You can't charge it. It comes to us as grace and it needs to be received as grace. So please come with your hands cupped. As you approach someone holding a plate of bread, that person will look at you and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take a piece of bread that they'll give you but then don't eat it just yet. You'll dip it into the cup. The person standing right there will be holding a cup. When you do, that person will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you, and then take and eat, and then find a place to pray, whether it be at one of these side padded altars or one of these kneeling benches here at the front, or perhaps right back in your pew. Just find a place to pray and consider how it is that you have taken into your own body A little bit more of the wisdom of God today and consider how that might move you and shape you even now if you prefer not to partake in the common cup and the common bread we completely understand and there are people at every aisle who will dismiss you by row to come down front or they will be there to hand you this prepackaged set of elements I will already have blessed them and I will walk us through the liturgy. If you would rather stay in your seat and take communion that way, that works just as well. And you can just go ahead and take and eat and drink as soon as you get it. You perhaps, sitting where you are, would prefer not to participate at all. And that's okay too. None are compelled, but all are invited. If you understand your need for grace, you are qualified for this table. And one last thing. You may want to take a special trip down here to this bowl of water, a bowl of remembrance. This is meant to help you remember the moment of your baptism, the moment that you were in the most official sort of way included into this movement of God, the people of God, the body of Christ. And if you need to be reminded that you're a certain kind of person belonging to a certain kind of people, a people who are trying as best we can to embody wisdom, maybe the chill of this water can remind you that you belong. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you, and every time you eat of it, remember me. Later on, he would take the cup and hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant shed for you, and every time you drink of it, including today, remember me. And now all across the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet as you are dismissed and come forward to receive these gifts of God meant for the people of God. Come now. Jason prayers of intercession in the Lord's Prayer Heavenly Father we confess that we aren't always attentive to the wisdom of God though it is available to us everywhere father we confess that there are times when there are other sources of quote unquote wisdom find ourselves taken sometimes captivated intoxicated by these alternative voices we confess lord that at times we haven't listened well we haven't listened deeply to you if in these moments of confession you can think of a moment or you can think of sources that you're listening to that don't amount to wisdom This would be a good time to confess and then also receive the grace of God having confessed. God, help us to show up in humility. God, help us to listen. And God, give us the grace and the strength and the courage to follow Jesus. Now, hear this, church. May the Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Spirit, keep us in eternal life.
0: Now, would you continue in this posture of prayer, whether you're here or at home, as we say some prayers of intercession. So many of you have prayed faithfully and wondering how Sadie Corder is doing after her surgery this week, and she's doing very well and at home. But would you join me in prayer as we pray for a few folks who still needs God's touch and presence. And God, we do begin by asking for your continued healing And God, that you would allow Sadie Corder to know your loving presence and peace. That God, she would know that you are with her now. And that God, you would help her in removal of pain in her life. And God, you'd be right by her side. God, we ask for your continued healing in the life of Evelyn Slothauer as she continues to recover from her knee surgery. God, we ask that you continue to be with Quinn Tucker, the little, this little baby for Nick and Jenny and ask that you would come alongside of Quinn and the Tucker family as they love, as he's been able to come home from the hospital. God, we ask that you continue to be in the healing efforts of our good friends, Scott Peterson and Diane Dawkins, that you would surround the Dawkins family and the Peterson family. And God, we ask that you would be with all who have cancer. And there's no doubt you have come into this room and someone you know and you love is experiencing and fighting against cancer. So whoever God has placed in your mind's eye, would you pray for them now? God, we ask for your continued help and healing and presence in the life of our good friend Matthew Larson, Jane Spiropolis, and as we pray almost every week for those who are here this morning to hear Dr. Steve Green in Glenn and Betty Vane. God, we ask for your peace around the world. God, we ask for those who are in harm's way, those who have experienced violence. God, we ask for your peace and your presence and for the church, wherever the church is, to be God, your strength, your wisdom, your healing in the world. God, we ask that you would bring healing to all who have experienced loss, all who are recovering from or have COVID, and all, God, who are brokenhearted. And now, church, there is one person who's watching online or in this room whose heart is heavier than all of our hearts. And so would you pray for that one person together collectively as a whole body, for that one person who needs God more than any of us right now. And whoever that person is, all of our prayers are with you. God, would you transform us day by day and moment by moment to be your people who reflect your image in the world. And in one of the ways, God, we hope to be transformed is through this weekly prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.
2: Uh, Yeah. So, uh, we've done a thing. I wanted to let you know what we've done. And actually, it was Heather Bryant. I know I saw her in the room. Wave at me, Heather. I think you're you were here somewhere there she is there she is this effort was started by Heather Bryant, who rallied former students uh, and folks who loved Dr. Green and she helped to raise the money that resulted in Steve being placed in the Hall of Witnesses at SNU but we have we have piggybacked on that effort thank you Heather we kind of took it from there Um, Brandon I hate to to prevail upon you but would you would you actually escort your mother-in-law up here onto the platform and dr. Green would you join me because we've we've done a thing beyond that that we want you to to know about Um, so I've said to you that we have a lot there's a lot around here that still bears the the fingerprints thumbprints the marks of, of Steve and Elaine Green and we think that's a good thing and we think that's something that is so good that we should sort of somehow make sure that it never stops, that kind of influence and your influence. And so uh, thank you, Heather, for starting us off. And then what we did after the fact is what we, we gathered uh, folks from Oklahoma City First Church. That's us. We're here. Yeah. And then from Pasadena First Church and then also from Cincinnati Springdale. And those churches have all collaborated to raise enough money that now we have an endowed scholarship in the name of Stephen Elaine Green at Southern Nazarene University and so uh, yeah. yeah now I'm reading this but you should know that Jason wrote this language in recognition of Christ-like service to God to the Academy and to the Church of Oklahoma City, First Church of the Nazarene, Springdale Church of the Nazarene, and Pasadena First Church of the Nazarene, Southern Nazarene University, family and friends. We wish to honor Dr. Steve and Mrs. Elaine Green with the establishment of the Dr. Steve and Mrs. Elaine Green Ministerial Inter- Internship Endowed Scholarship. And so all of these churches have gathered, all of your former congregation not all of them, but the three really important ones, right? <laughs> Have all kind of joined forces to make sure that uh, forever that you would continue to mark us and mark ministerial internships uh, students and all of that and so uh, at church what a let, let's see we need to get some good wait you have something Jason you're headed somewhere because I know I want you in this uh, oh okay so would you all come kind of toward the front to over here because Zach is really good at taking pictures but he's all always better we can get in a little closer proximity to one another Jason went and picked these up for you Elaine, and so I want you to have these and here dr. Green you hold this I want to stay just just right. What else should we do? Uh, Oh lower the stand right. How about if I just get rid of it? And do you want to centered behind the Christ candle or does that? Yeah, okay Let's let's be centered behind the Christ candle because you taught us that it was important. And so here we go Here's the thing, Dr. Green. We continue to need your voice. We continue to need all of these marks. And this is just one way to continue uh, your voice in in all of these things. It's just super important. And your other churches, we're happy to jump in and help. What, What a legacy of multiple congregations. And who knows how many generations of families have been shaped by this particular understanding of the gospel. And this is the least we can do. Now, I'm trying to talk folks into an annual golf tournament uh, that will allow us to continue to, uh, you know, pour into the corpus, and that kind of thing. And, and yes, if you want to partner with Mike, your boy, that'd be great, too. Uh, But uh, we think that an annual Steve Green golf tournament would be really fun. And so um, we've already talked about some of the things, but we just want you to know, not only do we love you, and Elaine continues to serve on our church board, not only do we love you, but we need you, and, and we revere your impact on us in the past, today, and in the years to come. Thank so thank you so much. And I don't want to, to press the microphone in by his hand unless you want me to press the microphone in your hand because we would love to hear from you if you have anything you'd like to say. If you hold it. I'll hold it. Okay. Right. Thank you so much. We love you all. And I think it's seven years ago maybe when we came back to OKC First. I sat in the service, I think we were in the coal Center before we came back in here, and I just had tears streaming down my cheeks the whole time and I leaned over to Steve and I said, I feel like I'm home, home again. So thank you for being our body of Christ that we can
0: journey through this life with and this is overwhelming to think that former churches and Students and whoever contributed to this will make a lasting impression for many generations of students That's
2: absolutely right. Dr. Green, anything?
1: Thank you, uh, well wow. uh, I don't have any wisdom right now <laughs> But thank you. Thank you.
2: I love you all very very much. Thank you pastor. Thank, thank you. you We love you guys. We'll let you guys go ahead and take a seat but how about one more round of applause for